It's the True Achievements Podcast. On today's show, we remember that we do a podcast every once in a while. Popping achievements for looking at achievements. Rich fills us in on the latest news about the TA app for Xbox One. EA Access opens its vault for gamers. Saints Row goes to hell for fun. Who wouldn't want to get exclusive with Lara Croft? Hydro Thunder Hurricane. Best game ever? Or best game ever. We're gonna get back in time. Is the retro movement of ID at Xbox good for the new gen? All that, your questions, and more on your summer sweating, fall hyping, game rush anticipating, app dropping, true achievements podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the True Achievements Podcast for July. No, wait, that's not right. Um, August, no, not not that. Um, <laughs> September, yes. We we are in September, and we are back. We're back. The rumors of our death have been greatly back. exaggerated. Um, as always, I am your host, uh, OSU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. Uh, joining me, we've got... Michelle, otherwise known as Matrark or M. Say hello, Michelle. Hello. And we've got Rich, otherwise known as True Achievement, otherwise known as The Big Boss Man. <laughs> hello, good, good morning. morning. Um, we're recording hot and live early on a Saturday morning for all of us, technically. I know Rich had a long Rich had a long <laughs> night, and uh, it's I, a little bit earlier for <laughs> Michelle and I to be doing a weekend, but uh, we've got, you know, it's been yeah. quite a few weeks, and um, unfortunately, I think... We're, I know Rich and I are kind of in the same boat that we both had incredibly busy summers. Uh, and so, Michelle, you probably played a few more games than the rest of us did. So what have you been playing over the past, you know, half of your life? <laughs> uh, half of my life. Uh, we could be here for an entire podcast. Well, let's just focus on, like, the time um, that we have just focus on nine weeks or yeah, so? Yeah, since, since E3, what have you been playing? <laughs> I actually haven't been playing all that much, to be honest. Uh, you know, summer... Um, Surprisingly, I spent a lot of time outside of my house. What? Wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 What I is know, this outside? I know. I'm really sorry to disappoint you guys. I've, I've turned in my gamer card. Oh, my they gosh. Games. Uh, Dropping well, like flies. <laughs> um, but really, I didn't I didn't get to all that much. I um, I played and finished Prototype 2, um, which I rather enjoyed. It was much easier than Prototype 1, um, but a good game. Solid, you know, not top ever, but it was it was a fun title to play through now i have actually um, a question there because um yeah there's kind of this weird subgenre in like open world games that i i kind of call the open world power fantasy so you've got like games oh, like crackdown incredible. you've got games like prototype and like over on playstation like infamous right, w- right. yeah saints row 4 yeah, saints say, is another one of those I see game info right now trembling at your mention yeah. of this new stuff. Sub- they can tremble. I'm not going to hoist any reports and attempt to get this made official. It's just kind of my own little vernacular. But what um, you've played, I know, both Crackdowns, I think, and both Prototypes? I played the first. Oh, okay. I haven't played the second. How would you like compare this? Because I know one of the big things people game for is that like power fantasy. Um, so could you just talk talk a little bit about like Prototype as like an accessible power fantasy? Well, Prototype 2 is actually um, 
it's if you read around what people think about it, it it's either a big positive or a big negative that you start with a lot of powers so you don't have you do get more powerful as the game goes on um but you already start powerful in the first prototype you don't you start basically yeah that was that was the cool thing about prototype one mm-hmm. wasn't it when you when you eventually explore the world when you're so powerful you can just blast around the whole place jumping over buildings and right and it's that. the same thing in, in crackdown also you start barely able to move and you can't figure out how to collect that agility orb because it's so high up and then you can just leap over a building in a single bound um and prototype 2 is is similar in that way but it it's more of a jump right in because once again you already have a good number due to storyline issues you already have a good number of powers accessible to you um, but you just become even more powerful. Um, so if, if what you're looking to do is jump right in and already be the superhero, Prototype 2 is instantly accessible that way. Um, but if if you're looking for the build to that, to the moment when you realize that that out-of-reach object is now in-reach, you don't get that quite as much. It's still there, but it, it's not not the same way. Cool. But it's accessible. It's fun. and But you do really need to play the first to play the second because the storylines are completely okay. intertwined. If yeah, that, that matters to you. Um, how long is it to... How long is the main story? Um, I, maybe, like... It depends because there's a lot... It, like all sandbox games, there's a lot of yeah. side quests. What, stuff like critical path. Um, like to just do story, critical well, path, straight way through, what would you think? Well, right. Typically, if you're playing the game for achievements, right, yeah. which we're all apt to do. Um, <laughs> you're going to you, know, you do your first playthrough where you do everything and then there's a new game plus. So you get to carry over all of your cool abilities into your second playthrough. And that nice. second playthrough takes three to five hours or maybe three is a little under, but it, it does not take long. I mean, at max it's five. Um, so yeah, the core story is, is not long. You can get through that. I mean, I probably did it through an afternoon one Saturday. Um, yeah, wow. it's not long at all. And when you're super powered like that, you don't worry about it. And that's on the wow. game's hard mode. You know, so if you're playing on an easier mode, even you can really tear through it. There's a reason why the ratio is so low, especially compared to the first. They really made the achievement list much easier. All right, cool. What else? What else has been on your gameplay docket? Um, mostly Xbox One. Um, you know, I played a lot of Xbox Fitness over the summer, which was good. As much as one can play a fitness game. Um. Peggle 2, because it's Peggle. <laughs> um, uh, have you got the DLC? Have I got what? Yes, the DLC. I um, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's more Peggle, so there's you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, but with Bert. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've got, um, played some Titanfall over the summer, some of the DLC, um, and recently Dance Central Spotlight. been playing a lot of that, which is... It, Unfortunately, a little buggy, uh, considering that they certainly had development time within all that. I was playing co-op with a friend, and we crashed to the home menu a couple times. But the game itself and the tracking is phenomenal. So um, at $10, that was a total steal. And I know you've mentioned this in the feeds a little bit, but um, Harmonix is working on being able to import all of the Mm -hmm. previously purchased tracks from the 360 version over to the Xbox One version. Is that right? Right. Yeah, and it, it's it exists, but it's not working one hundred percent. So I um, all my DLC is in the form of a pack. I bought one of those like fourteen track packs when they discounted it once. But the Xbox One Game Store doesn't recognize those individual tracks as purchased. Oh, it only okay. recognizes a pack, and the pack itself hasn't been you know transferred to the Xbox One. So and Harmonix has been really great with communication. And we're going to talk a little later about 
communication issues with game publishers, um, but they've been really great with that, updating what bugs they know are out there and what they're doing to fix it, and, you know, just imploring gamers to be patient. You know, when these things go out into the wild for the first time, it's to be expected to some degree. Right, right. Cool. All right. Anything else you've been playing with, Michelle? Um. You know, regularly, no, but I will say, Rich, I'm I'm so upset about the addition of streaks. <laughs> I'll have those days now <laughs> where I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, it's 11.58, and I, damn it, I haven't, oh, Disney Fairies, thank you. And that game's like the perfect streak extender for like 95 days, so um, that's been on my card quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's a ton of achievements. Milestone so, coming. Uh, but that's, huh? You've got the milestone coming. I do. 95 days. Yeah, she's almost at a year now, Rich. Uh, I'm 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 up to 350 oh, days. Oh, where did I? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Are, are you gonna, are you going to make the year notification thing happen? Uh, one Rich? day. <laughs> it's on the list. One day, because I I've got like 12 days oh, left. Oh, okay. So I'm not. Could. I'm not going to be around. <laughs> All right, uh, Rich, you've been jet setting and testing and playing stuff, but uh, I yes. know you've been busy like with the big app. But um, what have you found time to play around with? Well, as everyone will know that listened to the special edition uh, podcast we put out last month, I went to Gamescom last month and I had, it was quite weird because the amount of work I've been putting in on the app, um, plus family life meant I haven't really had much time for gaming. So the glut of games that I played over Gamescom, which actually added up to more than 25 games over three days, um, sort of was quite weird for me. My brain couldn't handle the... uh, the difference between no games and all games uh, within the space of a few days. And then (laughs) since I got back, I haven't really played much either. A couple of highlights from Gamescom, though, were uh, we had an hour with Destiny, which was fantastic. And obviously that's releasing this week. So, um, Jay, I believe you're particularly looking forward to a bit of Destiny. That is is correct, sir. Yeah, it's good, man. It's really good. I don't know whether you played the beta. I didn't actually play the beta, but the hour I had um, playing co-op, um, it, Gamescom was absolutely fantastic really really enjoyed it so uh, I will be picking that up myself as well um, and Forza Horizons 2 which I did speak about briefly in the podcast before um, which is more Forza but um, arcaded up and is fantastic so they were the two highlights and uh, we did play an awful lot of ID games as well and there was some good stuff amongst those um, too many to mention but keep keep an eye on the ID stuff this year I think there's going to be a lot of very interesting um, and innovative games coming out uh, on that platform uh, this month I've been playing a bit of Grid Autosport on the 360, and this week I pretty much completed Walking Dead Episode 2, Chapter 3, which was um, dramatic, to say the least. Yeah, that was... No spoilers here, but a very cool episode. In fact, by far my favourite episode of the... of the uh, Sorry, by far my favourite chapter of the episode so far. I agree. Totally agree with you there. Really, really good. Um, so yeah, not a lot, unfortunately. It's all been app. Nice. Well, um, kind of in my little world, I've been in a similar scenario that my quote-unquote job job uh, is primarily summer camp director. So for most of the summer, I was working like 10-hour days and then coming home and crashing. Um, But uh, I did get the chance to – actually, over the past like nine weeks, I have played quite a few different things. Um, The big thing is I got the retail completion on Titanfall. Congrats. So everything that it shipped with, uh, I popped. Uh, and I did everything legit except for the I killed them all, um, mm. where you have to kill all the pilots during an evacuation single-handedly, which if you get that legit, there's so much luck involved with that. I think that achievement is at least 75 to 80% luck. 
Um, because to kill all the pilots in evacuation, you have to have teammates who are good enough to allow your team to win, but bad enough to not kill any of the evacuating pilots. Right. You have to have an opposing team that isn't just running and hiding, which has been happening now because I think people don't want to get killed during evacuation. Plus, you need to ha have them in an area where you can conceivably get to all of them within that time of evacuation. So I just, I'm amazed if anyone pops that legit. So I had, a, had my first boosting session in a long time, really, um, with people that I didn't ter know terribly well, but uh, we had a really good boosting group and got it all done. It only took us like, I think, two hours to roll through 12 people getting that achievement. Nice. So um, there's a really good solution on the site, like the top solution uh, was yeah. really great. Although, um, might not be as great moving forward because uh, it involves going to the Japan West server. And since the Xbox One is now released in Japan, <laughs> some people might be playing Titanfall, and that might not be a dead server. I yeah, I don't know. Uh, the 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 images from the Xbox One in launch in Japan <laughs> weren't great, uh, so yeah. I don't think you're going to have to worry about a sudden influx of Japanese gamers clogging up the Titanfall servers. Yeah. It'll probably still mostly be boosters. Yeah. Um, and even then, now you can play in 2v2 i believe so you don't need to have a party mm, of 12 anymore that's a good point I didn't think about so that. Yeah. that that it makes it much easier to yeah. match up now are you done done with titanfall are you going to do any of the dlc i may come back to it for the dlc at some point if it ever goes on sale but um i know we'll speak to this kind of in a little bit but there's so much just coming down the pipeline that i'm just really mm -hmm. glad to get you know titanfall quote-unquote done so i can move on to something else um, but I just, I'm looking at my own page. I played Titanfall for 112 hours. Wow. wow. Money's worth. Yeah. I definitely got my money's worth out of that. Um, which we'll be talking more about this in an achievement, uh, discussion a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Titanfall. Um, I had the pleasure of reviewing it for the site. I stand by that 4.5 out of five. Uh, it's really great. It's not perfect, but, um, it definitely, um, gave me a breath of fresh air in first-person shooters. And it actually, I'm usually not the best person at first-person shooters, but I was actually amazed as I played it more. Like, I would gradually be usually MVP of my team. Like, it took me less time to get 50 MVPs than it did to get 100 wins. Um, wow. Because to, you have to be, get 100 wins to get from Gen 8 to Gen 9. And you need to get 50 MVPs to get from Gen 9 to Gen 10. And it took me far longer to get teams to 100 wins than it did for me to get 50 MVPs. So I was really surprised by that. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed that game. Um, and it actually, by proxy, got me a little bit interested in maybe the new Call of Duty that's coming out this fall. Ooh. So oh, this may be... I, I know I've got a lot of games that I want to play in the fall, and Call of Duty isn't very far up there, but I may have to jump in and check out that new Call of Duty from Sledgehammer because it looks pretty cool. And if it plays something like Titanfall, which is kind of the pejorative about it right now, um, right. I may have to jump in and check that out. So Titanfall, thumbs up from me. <laughs> um, another game that I can give a, a reticent thumbs up to is I got to review 60 Second Shooter Prime um, for TA. Uh, I gave it a three-star grading, which means, you know, it's it's okay. You might like it. Uh, if, I liked it. Yeah, if you're a fan of, like, twin-stick shooters, um, mm -hmm. the big appeal to this game is it's a 1,000 points you can get in about two hours. Um, like, I played that game for an hour and 26 minutes and got a full completion. 
Wow. Uh, Nicely done. Yeah, it's got a, I mean, the ratio is only like, uh, the full completion gets you 1200 TA score, so none of these achievements are terribly beefy. Um, it looks like the, the biggest one is um, getting 2 million points in Infinity Mode, um, which only has a 1.54 ratio. Uh, I struggled with the um, the 30 second chain or 60 second chain one. In fact, I don't even have that. Yeah, yet. I think I got that by luck, maybe, or it just accidentally happened. So I think it's one of those where if you try too hard, you won't get it. But if you just relax and kind of play the game, mm-hmm. you'll you'll eventually pop it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's a bare bones graphics. It's not going to blow you away in any fashion. It's kind of just a mindless time waster game. And... and it's 60 seconds. Each match lasts no longer than 60 seconds, unless you're playing on the infinity mode. Uh, so you can you can just, you know, if you're waiting for your significant other to get ready before you go out to dinner, you can queue this up, play it for like three minutes, and then queue it down and head out to dinner. Um, but it's five bucks. Uh, for five bucks for a thousand points, I mean, right. we're going to talk more about ID at Xbox stuff a little bit later. Uh, but it, it's it, it's pretty good value. Um, I would not hesitate to spend five bucks on that if you like twin stick shooters. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh I also played uh, Strike Suit Zero Director's Cut, which was one of the games with gold uh, back in August. I do not like that game. Um, and this is... <laughs> I, I grew up loving like X-Wing and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and space, you know, dogfighting combat sims. And this game just... I, I think... I forget who mentioned it in my feed, and I, I regret that I can't give uh, one of my TA friends credit for this. But his criticism was... The missions are incredibly long. There's too much time between checkpoints. And those are my two main gripes. All, it, the plot is kind of nonsensical and hard to follow. On the flip side, it's another one of those games that's a thousand points. If you downloaded it for free at ID at Xbox, you can pretty easily get like, I think I'm sitting at like a six, I got 630 of the 1000 possible achievement points in it right now. And I'm just considering myself done with it. Like, I'm not going to come back to it. Okay. Um, but it, it just, something just never quite felt right with it. And I would really need to kind of examine my own feelings on it to to, to really dig into why I didn't like it so much more than just the superfluous. Uh, but I wasn't a big fan. Now, are the um, remaining achievements you have grindy? Are they difficulty-based? Like, what is it about the, them? The remaining achievements I have are, more? yeah. Unlock everything, which means you have to get gold medals on each of the missions, which requires you to replay the missions with certain specific standards in mind. So that can be, while you can instantly load up any of the missions after you beat the main story, you can conceivably go through and do it. But it's just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of boring, um, especially because the the missions are long and the checkpoints aren't that great. So it's kind of hard to actually do it. Um, there's also one for getting a better ending, which I think is beating the game, having unlocked all of the equipment, and getting gold medals on each match, which that has a ratio of 3.05, so it's not exactly easy. Uh, and then the others are, um, there's actually a second campaign, um, beating that campaign, and then doing one kind of action-specific achievement. Um, so I need, I, I actually did start this second campaign, the Heroes of the Fleet campaign, and even playing it on easy, I couldn't beat the first mission. So it definitely kicks the difficulty up a notch there. But yeah, it's like I just haven't popped four achievements and I have no desire to mm-hmm. go back and, and pop them. Which is sad because almost all the achievements are worth 100 base points. Oh, okay. uh, so they're like big juicy achievements and I just, I don't care enough. 
to go back and play it anymore. My time is too valuable to play bad games at this point. Um, however, a good game, uh, Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition, that is a great game. It was another one of the games of the gold. Uh, if you got a chance to download that for the Xbox One, it's it's really great. Um, I was a big fan of like Shadow Complex back mm-hmm. on the 360, which was on sale, I think, last week. So hopefully more people got that if they didn't already have it. But as much as I hate the term, it's a Metroidvania where you start not very well powered. And as you gradually gain more powers, you unlock more sections of the map. And you can go back through and do more stuff. But it's really great. I haven't actually finished with it yet. I started it last week after I finished Titanfall because I wanted something to just kind of fill the gap between that and Destiny. Um, and this is doing that really, really well. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. It's got a great sense of humor. Um, the gameplay is very fun. It's got a good combat system. Uh, I think Nexus Grunt reviewed it for us, gave it a 4.5 out of 5, and I would totally agree with that review. Uh, it's a really great game. Uh, there are a couple of grindy, difficult achievements in it, um, like defeating the game on hard mode, um, getting 100% completion, and um, finding all of the orbs and saving Lupita, which requires some digging. So I don't think I'll get a full completion on this, but I'm definitely enjoying my time with it, and it's, uh, I-, I would recommend it very highly to anyone who enjoys games like Shadow Complex or the old-school Metroids and Castlevanias. It's, uh, it's a really good game. Enjoying it a lot. And now that I've talked for five straight minutes, um, <laughs> let's let's move ahead to uh, those are the games we have been playing. But looking forward, uh, what are the games you guys are kind of excited about, kind of coming on the horizon? We are getting into getting into the crap, as the kids are saying, um, of you know just tons of really big AAA releases that are coming out, which I know is something Xbox One gamers have been clamoring for. They're wanting those big games and. We're about to get hit with a fire hose of big games. So, uh, <laughs> Michelle, what are you excited about playing here in the not-too-distant future? Um, I don't have that much on the radar. Um, Destiny, obviously, um, that's coming out in a few days. Um, just finished putting down my pre-order on that, so looking forward to jumping in. I actually didn't play the beta, so I'm doing this completely on the strength of people who have said that they enjoyed it, especially uh, we... We know that uh, games media didn't get copies of the game to review. So, and typically in in the world of that, that means it's normally a know, bad sign. Careful. I'm not sure it will right. be in this case. I, I don't think it is. I get the feeling that they are holding it because reviewers can't properly review it in such a narrow pool of gamers, a shallow pool of gamers. Pardon me. Like you really need to be able to play with thousands and thousands of people. That's the whole point of an MMO environment. So I, I feel like that's more why. But, um, you know, I'm excited about it because I have friends who are excited about it. And then in the further future, and hopefully we'll record a podcast between Destiny's release and uh, Halo's release, but my other game I'm looking forward to for the holiday season is uh, Halo Master Chief Collection. Because you just can't go wrong. $60 for four full games. I've never played Halo 2. so What? You never played Halo 2? I was a complete, like, Sony fanboy, fangirl, whatever, like, anti-Microsoft would never buy a Microsoft console until 2007. So wow. I, my first Halo experience was Halo 3 in 2011, so I'm pretty new to Halo. Yeah, Halo uh, Halo 2 is really, it did some really interesting gameplay things. A lot of them, you're, they're not going to be groundbreaking because you played the later titles. Um, the, the worst thing about Halo 2 is just it has a terrible ending, but it okay. had a great multiplayer. Thanks for the spoiler, Jay. <laughs> I, what? I didn't tell you what the game. ending was. I just told you it was terrible. Everyone dies. <laughs> 
Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> no, that's a guess. I can't even. I don't. I didn't even finish Halo Two. It annoyed me with changing, um, changing core character halfway through the game. Oh yeah, bugged me. Yeah, right. yeah I'm excited for that because it, it'll be a new experience, and I'll finally be able to complete the Halo canon in terms of my own playing the games, and then gearing up for Halo Five next year. Yeah, cool. Rich, I know you've still got a mountain of kind of work stuff ahead yeah, of you. Yeah, actually, that bridge is slowly getting crossed. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to Destiny and Forza Horizons, which comes out next um, next month at the start. Forza Horizon 2, that is, obviously. Um, but yeah, I will probably pick up FIFA, which is out at the end of this month. Um, more FIFA is always good. Um, it's the same game. I played it at Gamescom, but um, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for repurchasing those games every year um sunset overdrive is obviously at the end of next month which looks interesting i didn't it's one of the few games i didn't actually play at um gamescom um so yeah i'm quite looking forward to that um but yeah so it's to be honest there's a whole ton of stuff that i will i've not pre-ordered but just looking at the release calendar um there's a lot of stuff i mean sleeping dogs was one of my favorite games on the 360 so that's getting re-released um as a definitive edition on the Xbox One, so I might be dabbling in that as well because um, that is a great, great game. Highly recommended. Cool. Um, like the rest of you, I uh, I'm excited to jump into Destiny. Uh, I'm actually going to be the reviewer for TA, so I'll be reviewing Destiny. Hooray! Um, which means uh, I, I know we already alluded to, but the press did not get early copies of that, so the review is probably going to be. Um, a little bit later than we would expect for Destiny, but I will be playing that for review. Um, I did play the beta. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I did not think it, it was perfect. I'm excited to see what they do with the full release, but uh, I'm kind of excited to jump into that, see what's going on there. Uh, I'm very excited about Dragon Age Inquisition, just because I enjoy Bioware games. Um, it's something I unabashedly enjoy, and everything I've been hearing from people who've played it at like E3 and Gamescom is makes me really want to play it. And it's gotten to the point where I'm kind of put myself on media blackout. So I'm not even reading stories about it. I'm not watching trailers about it. I want to go in with as little impression as possible. Uh, so that's one I'm very much looking forward to. And then uh, my birthday was at the end of August and my best friend got me Diablo three ultimate evil edition on the Xbox one. So I'm very much looking forward to jumping back into some Diablo because that game is really just addictive and fun. Um, I'm currently kind of weighing the merits of porting my Xbox 360 Diablo characters over to the Xbox One version, or if I want to just start brand new, fresh characters. I didn't yeah, know you do that. That's quite cool. Rich, we ran the story on the site. Oh, man. No, I think it's <laughs> really cool that Blizzard... Uh, they did something rather unprecedented in that they made it so if you played Diablo 3 on PS3, you could transfer your characters up to the PS4 or the Xbox One. Same way if you played wow. on Xbox 360, you could transfer your characters up to the PS4 or the Xbox One. So it's it's great that they're, they found a way to use their own servers to make it so you could go cross-platform and cross-gen. Yeah, that's um, very cool. That's probably the first game to do that. I think it is, actually. Uh, so I thought that was a, a really awesome step for them so that, you know, people who, you know, jumped ship on the 360 and went over to PS4 don't have to lose out on on that goodness. And, you know, vice versa, obviously. So that's great. Um, and then, obviously, there's just a, a ton of good stuff coming down the pipeline, but we will hopefully have more podcasts to talk about that 
in the months to come. Yeah, I'm just going to throw Far Cry 4 yeah. in there as well. Uh, I, I was a latecomer to Far Cry 3, um, and I, I'll, pro- I'll oh, probably be a latecomer to Far Cry, Far Cry 4, just because they're... It, I'm sure it's going to be really so much fun other to stuff. Play. In fact, that comes out the There's same day so as Dragon Age. So. Yeah, and I'm very much in the. I've been hankering for that good RPG, and <laughs> I've kind of between Dragon Age and uh, Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. Those are kind of the two that are vying for that RPG title um, for the fall. There, um, Destiny I consider a thing of its own, but uh, Dragon Age and Shadow of Mordor. I think that's going to be the bifurcation of the RPG crowd. It's you're going to go one way or the other. Um, because I don't think you can do both and give them both justice. So we'll see. We'll see how both of those games do. Um, let's jump into some of the news, though. We're, we're going to shift gears. Uh, obviously, the big news uh, that came out of Gamescom is that TA, we are getting an app on the Xbox Whoa. One. Uh, I know. An app, baby. Yeah, I know, Rich, you talked quite about that in the Gamescom special edition. I did. Uh, we've had questions flooding in. Um, <laughs> it's all over the TA Twitter. It's all over our forums and boards. Everybody wants to know more about this app. Um, Rich, why don't you just give us some general updates uh, about the sure. status of the app? Okay, well, the core functionality of the app is um, 100% complete, which is cool. Um, this week and last week, we have been working on putting the achievements in, which has been a whole lot of fun. I've popped more achievements this week than I think I ever have done in my life. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, none of them on my real account. Um, but yeah, that's been really awesome. The first time I saw one of my own handwritten achievements pop was uh, a very special moment. Um, so um, there with your child being born. It was, yeah, it was right up there. Wedding, child, <laughs> achievement. Um, in that order, probably. <laughs> um, so that's reverse order, obviously. Um yeah, that was awesome. So achievements pretty much done. I can reveal that we currently have 19 and we're looking at getting an extra one. So there should be 20 for release. Um, speaking of release, we are unable to release in September. I know that was the original plan, but um, due to circumstances outside our control, that is now not happening. So we're now hoping for October. It should be should be October. I'm not going to promise anything just in case it slips. But yeah, we're, we're hoping for next month. So um, yeah, it's cool. Using it is great. Um, Every time I run it on the one, it's just like, wow, this is a great experience. So I think you guys are going to love it. Um, it will, you know, I can confirm that we have snap mode. Um, so you can have your TA app snapped while you are playing games, uh, which is really, really cool. So, yeah, uh, I don't want to reveal too much more. I will be producing a video at some point over the next few weeks, which will give you a bit more of the um, functionality. I will give you a proper run through of the whole app experience so you guys can can see exactly what you're getting for your zero money um <laughs> but yeah look watch this space really more updates to come but it's cool I, i'm very proud of it uh now one question that's kind of been asked in a million places and i know it's been answered quite a few times this is a a universal app right it's not just exclusive to the united states it's going to be live for pretty at the moment it's going to be uh in english-speaking regions okay. that is the current plan um because we are not doing multilingual versions at this stage. So it's going to be definitely releasing in US, UK, uh, Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, no love for Canada. Speaking. <laughs> oh, and Canada, obviously. Yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's the plan. I mean, none of this is 100% final, but that is the the current plan. Um, and it may actually be a, a staggered rollout across those regions rather than hitting everywhere at once. But I will know more about that uh, in the coming weeks. And obviously, we'll be keeping... Uh, the site updated. There'll be site news stories every time I know more. Um, 
but yeah, that's the plan. And it, I'm not sure of the actual uh, rules on the regionality, whether we can release it um, purely as an English app in other regions. Um, if we can do that, then there's no reason not to. Um, but if we have to make multilingual versions, then obviously that adds more time. Um, but yeah, hopefully one day it will be available globally. Good deal. So English speakers, hooray us! Uh, other news um, it's that time of year again where uh, we the TA team and the TA community try to do something a little more charitable and give back Uh, it's time for Extra Life 2014 Uh, Extra Life 2014 if you're not aware of what Extra Life is it is a charity where gamers play video games and raise money to help uh, hospitals and Children's Miracle Network uh, with a 24 hour gaming marathon so last year uh, our goal as the TA site team was to raise $5,000, and we almost doubled that. We raised over $9,400 last year, which is amazing. Awesome. Um, That's yeah, awesome. And this year, our goal is $10,000. Uh, so please check out the story on the site for that. Uh, the date of the marathon is October 25th. Uh, so you can find uh, the story on the site. We've got a hub. Uh, you can register, set your personal goal, choose a hospital you want to support, uh, we have True Achievement Team Captain, I'm a Idiot 19. Um, or uh, you can always get in touch with Community and Events Manager Chad and Jesse about that as well. So make sure you check that out if you are uh, interested in being a little more little charitable with your gaming. Uh, it is a it's fantastic a great cause. cause. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Um, other news uh, is, Rich, you've integrated Twitch channels on everyone's homepages. Oh, Yes. Yeah, we did. So Twitch is massive at the moment. Um, I know there's a few people that still don't really get the point of watching other people play mm-hmm. games, but um, it, you only have to you know, go onto Twitch to see how many people uh, follow some of the channels. It's hugely popular. So yeah, we thought it would be quite cool to integrate that stuff onto your homepages. So there's quite a lot of functionality around it. Um, there's a Twitch hub where you can see anyone that's um, currently broadcasting. Um, if you tie up your Twitch account to your page when you start broadcasting um, we will post to your feed mm-hmm. um, uh, including the details of the game you're playing so all of that stuff is pretty cool um, I know there's been quite a lot of excitement around that so yeah if you if you are into Twitch um, integrate your account it's, it's yeah. really easy to do yeah. go ahead Em Sorry, no, you, go. you go <laughs> oh fine fine um, yeah, I'm not into Twitch personally um, but it's cool I see it on my feed you know so and so has started broadcasting such and such and um, it's mm-hmm. just it's cool to have that information and and be able to say hey, you know I've got nothing else going on let me click through and and see what they're doing so it's really nice for exposure for them yeah especially mm-hmm. if it's a if it's a game that you um, right. you you are not sure if you're going to get yeah. uh, I think that's, that's and, and I mean Twitch is big business in the past couple of weeks I mean Amazon bought it for almost a billion dollars like billion with a B dollars uh, <laughs> so I, I I'm kind of like Michelle I don't quite get it but. I don't think it's for me, but I do understand it's it's super big for some people. And like, what PewDiePie doesn't he like make a couple million dollars a year from streaming, like just getting ad revenue from yeah. his own streaming? That's YouTube generally, yeah, but, YouTube, um, but yes. Same so principle. people enjoy watching other people play video games. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, another story that kind of came across the newswire just yesterday, actually, or the day before. Um, is Microsoft, at least in the United States, is doing a promotion where if you buy an Xbox One, um, you can pick out a free game, uh, which Microsoft, again, I mean, competition, it's no secret that Xbox One is lagging behind PS4 
when it comes to sales, and Microsoft is really doing their utmost to get people to jump in with the Xbox One. So between uh, September 7th and the 13th, if you're in the United States and you buy an Xbox One or a bundle from a participating retailer, you can pick up any game you want for free, uh, which is a totally sweet deal. I don't think they're doing that here. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I know this came across from uh, the Xbox Newswire and there weren't a lot of details about international availability, uh, but I, I know in the United States that's a great deal for U.S. gamers. Um, but as always, if if you're listening to this and still within that September 7th to 13th time, and that sounds really good to you, make sure you check uh, with your retailer of choice to make sure they are participating in that deal. Um, I know Polygon has confirmed that uh, Best Buy, GameStop, Target, Toys R Us, Amazon, and Walmart um, are participating, but you never know if... Uh, your local retailer choice will be so. Again, great deal. Right. Um, if you can pick up your, if you can pick up the yeah. Madden bundle and also pick up Destiny, I mean that sounds pretty sweet. If you're a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, other news about the Xbox One is this EA Access program, which the details on it are are pretty specific. But for like thirty bucks a year, um, if you enroll in EA Access, you would get access to what they're calling the EA Vault, as well as getting digital access to many new titles and getting to play those titles for free. Uh, so it's basically EA's own little subscription service. Um, if you want to think about it as like EA's version of Games with Gold, you would probably not be wrong in doing so. But by enrolling in this program, um, you would be able to play like trials for both FIFA 15 and NHL 15. Um, you'd be the first place you could get Madden, play Madden NFL 15, uh, and you can get this service for like either five bucks a month or thirty bucks a year, and you get access to like the backlog. So you can play like Battlefield Four, FIFA Fourteen, Madden NFL Twenty Five, Peggle Two, Need for Speed Rivals for free if you subscribe to the service. Um, right, it's a great it deal a great if you deal. don't have those. Um, games. Michelle, do you have any kind of thoughts on this? I know I don't think any of us are really big sports gamers. I know Rich, you play FIFA uh, mm-hmm. every year. Uh, yeah, the only one of those games that I don't have is Madden. Otherwise, I would have bought this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michelle, what are your jump on in? Well, I was I was going to jump in initially, mostly because um, some of my friends had said they were going to play Battlefield, and I figured, okay, it's a great way to do it. Um, but I, I'm still waiting to see. Like they're promising right now, anything that's in the vault stays in the vault, right? Yes. And right now, nothing in the vault really appeals to me on a day to day. You know, and I don't need more games in my backlog. And with those sitting there, like, I feel obligated to play them at some point because I'm paying for the service. Now, in theory, I think the service is a great idea. Um, And I'm curious to see how that affects how companies look to monetize their games. $30 is not a lot of money. And you're basically giving away a game every month or however often they choose to update the vault. I know it operates more like PSN Plus, right, where you, you kind of license the game for the period in which you are subscribed. You don't mm-hmm. get to keep it afterwards, unlike Games with Gold, um, at least on the 360. I don't remember if that was confirmed on the one, if it still works that way. Um, so I I think it's a great idea, but right now for me, there isn't much appeal. The only game that's available on it that I would play is Peggle 2, and I own that. Um, and like you pointed out, Jay, like I'm not a big sports gamer, and I think that's really what you're going to see, how this is useful, is they'll put the previous year's sports game on there when they're ready to release the new one. Um, I think the mm-hmm. demos are interesting though. Like I'm, I one of uh, the other newshounds actually. He played the NHL 15 demo, and it actually caused him to cancel his pre-order. 
Um, so ah, yeah, he said that's they, not what they were looking for. Right, they removed a lot of features, and he wasn't happy with that. And so you know, he paid a little bit for the service, less than the cost of the game, and it caused them to lose a game sale. Um, wow. So it's, but I mean, that's risk with any demo. Uh, but again, Did I read somewhere that you can pop achievements in the demos. Is that? I haven't that heard right? that either. Um, oh, okay. I, I honestly have no idea there. I've I've heard that with some of the digital content, so not stuff that's retail, but you can purchase digitally. But some like trials, I think I heard if you downloaded the demo of that, it would pop some achievements or something. Um, I don't know if that's just that they're looking to sort these things out still, or you know, because I think early on the Xbox 360's life, if you did the demo, it would put the game on your tag, and that's yes. why they released that function to remove all zero gamer score games because people had all sorts of games they demoed on their tag. Uh, it's probably still stuff they're working out. And, and that's that... why TA um, only counts a game if you pop an achievement in it. Oh, because people still haven't deleted those Because back games? in the day when I originally coded it, if you were playing demos, it would come up as oh, wow. on your card. So that was the reason. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. See, I learned something today. Yeah, a bit of history. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a cool idea. But right now, it, it just doesn't do enough to appeal to me. But if you're into that... I... You can't go wrong with it. The price is completely right. Yeah. I guess my, my whole thing is I look at the business end of this for EA, and I mean, it's no secret that uh, game publishers really want to cut down on the used game market um, because right. it takes a bite out of their bottom line. And I think this is EA trying to find a way to do that while also providing value to the gamers. So they probably recognize that you know there's a certain percentage of gamers that will go out, pick up Battlefield or Madden, play it for three, four weeks, and sell it back. This gives them a chance to at least take some of those copies out of the used market while also making it cheaper for those gamers to play those games. Uh, so I'm, I'm still trying to sort out my feelings. I kind of see this as the, the convenience and value add to gamers is pretty much equitable to the business sense that comes out of EA in doing it. But I'm in the same boat as you, Michelle, is that they don't really have anything on the service that appeals to me yet. Like, I don't play Battlefield... I don't play sports games. I really have no interest in this now. If Need for Speed is okay. fantastic, yeah. but obviously you need. I'm to not be into racing games a racing either. Fan. Um, like, <laughs> uh, but if if all of a sudden all of Bioware's backlog got onto this, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, or I don't know any of the other like EA published titles that I enjoy came onto this, and all of a sudden it has this robust backlog of games that I haven't played and I'm very interested in. Then yeah, thirty bucks a year. That's that's totally within like just a splurge spend for me. I wouldn't even think twice about that. Um, if it was full of games that I liked, absolutely. Uh, so right, and that's even one game that I really wanted to play that I don't already own. I'd buy it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like yeah. that—that is thirty dollars or more. Because I can either spend thirty dollars on that game, or I can spend thirty dollars and get a service for a year that would give me access to multiple games. Um, and maybe it turns out I love FIFA. I've just never thought to buy it because I'm not into soccer, right? So it really would only take one thing to convince me to do it. It just hasn't happened Well, yet. plus, I'm pretty sure, and I was actually getting ready to do a quick check on this, but I'm pretty sure that if you are a member of the EA Access, you also get discounts. If you buy the full game digitally, yes, if you, you buy DLC, like really, it's like being in a club that gets you discounts yeah, right. I mean, it's nothing yeah, to shake a stick at, but mm-hmm. if you're pretty committed to buying all of those games, you're going to save a good bit of coin at some point. I mean, it's at some point where the value balance tip tips really heavily in your favor as a gamer, which I think is great. 
if that works out as right. everyone intends. And the other thing is that this is only going to be on the Xbox One. Uh, Sony, I think Sony made a rare misstep here in that they yeah, said they didn't think it was a good value, uh, which well, I... Sony's also protecting their own interests, though, because they have that PlayStation yeah. Now, which is their own streaming service of games, and this would essentially be a service that would take away from that. Why would you stream an EA game on the Sony service if you can get it on your EA service? So I think that was more... They, they've got their own thing they're doing, and, and this runs Yeah, and I would, I would, I would imagine that EA will probably at some point try to find a way to keep their games off of Sony Now because they have their own proprietary streaming service. I could see that being kind of a business mm-hmm. thing just to keep an eye on in the future. Was well, it similar to how there's... There's Steam, obviously, but then EA Correct. made Origin, which is their own proprietary. This is where you get all your EA games if you want to play them on a PC. Yeah. So it's, it's I, I guess it's a similar sort of situation. Yeah, well, it, it's definitely, I mean, we're in the new gen. Uh, publishers and developers are going to keep trying new things. I know there, there's going to be a big push behind buying digitally. Um, I just, I really hope the mm-hmm. value proposition of that for gamers gets better because at this point, Buying a game digitally costs the same as buying it in retail, and then you have to wait for that game to download. Um, well, that's not true. You can start so, pre-downloading. Not all games. Now, not all games have done that yet, thing. though. So but I, I, yeah. Well, they they yeah. just launched it as a feature, so this is this is something new, and it's something that's that's there now, and it's accessible. Yes. I think Destiny is the first game utilizing it, where you can pre-download it, and it's going to be there, like. Realistically, the person who pre-ordered Destiny digitally is going to get to play it before me because I first have to get to my store, pick it up at midnight, get home. Yeah, and if I would have it. known all of that in advance, I probably would have changed my pre-order to the digital deluxe that I could preload rather than I think I I got the not the Ghost Edition but the one that's just below that that has like the steel book and stuff. Um, but if I would have known preloading mm-hmm. was going to be in the cards, I would have changed my pre-order. But that came around too late, and now I'm kind of locked into it. Um. Speaking of being locked into things, uh, <laughs> Saints Row um, is coming to the Xbox One. Uh, it was announced at PAX uh, a couple of weeks ago that Saints Row 4 Reelected, um, which is basically an Ultimate Edition, is going to be coming to the Xbox One. It's going to have all of the Saints Row 4 content, plus this newly announced expansion, uh, which is called Saints Row Get yes. Out of Hell, I think. Uh which features Johnny Gat going to hell, kicking demon <laughs> butt. Um, so, yeah, it's another instance of developer taking their very popular late-gen game, uh, uprising it probably a little bit, you know, smoothing it out, adding in all the DLC, and popping it up to the new gen. Uh, for those who stick to the 360, you can still get Gat out of hell uh, for 19.95, I think. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Saints Row 4, obviously, huge game. Uh, capitalized on the huge success of Saints Row 3. Uh, I know I played around with Saints Row 3. I didn't really put too much time into it. I only popped a couple of achievements. Uh, but are either of you uh, interested in the Saints Row franchise? Definitely the franchise. I've played 4, but it's my least favorite of the whole series, so I won't well, be Well, didn't you say that uh, Saints Row 4 felt more like a big DLC? So it's sort of ironic that there's even more big DLC yeah. coming out for it. Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point, actually. Yeah. Saints Row 4 is even sillier. It cranks up the silliness levels to max, um, and you get superpowers, which I didn't particularly think fitted that world particularly well. So um, I much prefer 3. I thought 3 was fantastic. Well, and if I remember correctly, Saints Row 4 was originally intended to be an expansion into 3, mm-hmm. and then 
I don't know if this was before or after THQ went under, but they split it off to make it a brand new title. Um, right. So there, I think there was a kind of some business shenanigans going on there to try and capitalize on that success and maybe save THQ a little bit. Uh, I would have to look back at the timelines again. That it was because this was published post the THQ. Fall. Yes, it, it did. Yeah. Um. So I. I I could be wrong about this, but I think it's more the new publisher looking to monetize or to make you know more money off of it by making it a full game instead of just a you know digital expansion. Yeah, the uh, interesting little sub note that comes out of this is that uh, Volition isn't actually doing the development on this; it's being done by High Voltage. Um, so I really want to know what Volition's working on now because you know they're hmm. working on something. Yeah, they they're not working on Saints Row. I mean, are they going to be doing? Uh, I think Saint or Voli- I think I think Volition also did high or did uh, what was that? Uh, Red Faction didn't didn't they do Red Faction? I could be totally wrong here. Um, and in fact, I'm going to be clicking around. So fill time for me uh, <laughs> as I'm checking this out. Um, I'm already on top of the check. Yes, they did Red Faction. Yeah. So maybe I mean, who knows? Maybe Saint or maybe they're working on a next-gen Red Faction, which that's one of those games that I feel like has a very niche following, but those people really love it. I loved Red Faction Grona. I thought it was a fantastic cool. game. So I'm really interested to see what they're working on. Hopefully something cool, because I can see them getting really burned out working on Saints Row as much as they have over the past, like, four or five years. Sure. Um, other news, and this is probably me just being, as the host of the podcast, I'm selfishly interested in this. Um, <laughs> but Bioware went and confirmed that they've put multiplayer into Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, it's going to be more of a co-op-focused multiplayer rather than a player-versus-player. Player. Um, and as somebody who really loved the multiplayer for Mass Effect 3, um, and that that multiplayer erased all my skepticism for it, uh, I'm really very interested and curious to see what they do with this multiplayer. And I know they put out some videos showing it in action. And again, I'm kind of on lockdown about this game. I'm not watching those videos. Uh, but I really want to see how they incorporate this multiplayer into the single-player experience and just how linked those two are. Uh, because the multiplayer in Mass Effect 3 fed into the Galaxy at War metagame uh, for the single-player where you basically had to continue doing side missions and building up you know, almost goodwill for Galaxy at War before you went into the final mission, and that would kind of affect how the final mission played out for you. So I really want to see how this happens. Um, But, of course, there are gamers who are very skeptical about this, saying, oh, they're shoehorning multiplayer into my single-player game. Um, I don't don't know how I feel about that. I can see there's some merit to it, but it's also, you know, not really taken away from too much. Um, What are you guys' thoughts here? Any kind of general thoughts on the multiplayer, single-player divide there? Um, uh, you know, I'm not invested in the series. So, um, you know, I think people have to understand that multiplayer is now, it's it's a part of things. It's a big mover of games and units and whatnot. And I know purists of the series like to keep it the way that they enjoyed it all along. But you're not obligated to play the multiplayer. If it's not for you leave it be. Uh, you know, they, they likely have another team working on multiplayer, so it's not really taking away development time from the core game, which is often the reason you hear that people don't like it. Well, I'd rather that time go into the core game. It's usually a different crew working on it. So I think it's fine if they want to try it out. But personally for the game, uh, again, I'm not invested in it one way or the other. Yeah, I'll let you all know how it ends up turning <laughs> out. Um, 
I think I think I think it was an interesting but not necessarily shocking development that this was announced. Right. Um, speaking of interesting but not necessarily shocking developments, uh, the standalone Connect uh, was priced and dated. Uh, when Phil Spencer made the announcement, we're taking Connect out of the box, dropping the price points to sell more Xbox Ones. You knew that at some point they would be releasing the standalone Connect for the Xbox One. So it got uh, priced and dated. It's going to cost $150, um, and it comes with Dance Central Spotlight, and it is set to be released on October 7th. Um, so we knew this; it, its price point would be more than the $100 that it would cost to bundle it with the console. I'm very much not shocked by this price point. I think it's a really good move that they're bundling Dance Central Spotlight with it because that was going to be the feature bit of software to show off what the Kinect can do as a gaming device. Uh, Michelle, you're, you're probably the most devoted Kinect gamer I know. Um, <laughs> why don't you uh, jump in here? Uh, what are your thoughts kind of on, on this, this move? I, I don't know. I, I get it why they had to split it out, because it, it has nothing to do with moving more Connects. It has to do with moving more Xbox One. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think if you were so stalwart about the Xbox One that you were not going to purchase it with a Connect, there's not a market for individual standalone Connects. I, I just I don't see where it would be. I, I have seen one or two people on my friend's feed say, okay, now I'm getting a Connect, But for the most part, once again, if you were not into it, you wouldn't be buying it. So I, I honestly, like, I'm curious to see how the standalone Connect actually fares sales-wise, because I, I just can't imagine that it would sell that much. Why, why would you spend 150 on that after spending 400 on the console when you could just get the bundle? It, it's I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I think Microsoft is banking that. Um, well, I think they're doing this out of obligation that they, right. you know, they originally designed this for the console and some people didn't want it, but maybe you'll get buyer's remorse and decide, maybe I do want this down the road. So what, what I see happening is, you know, this hitting market, not selling very well. Eventually, at some point, retailers are going to want to clear that shelf space and you'll be able to find it on sale brand new at some point. And of course, I don't think Microsoft's going to abandon the Connect. I'm sure no, there are developers who are going to be finding interesting ways to use the peripheral but I think I'm in the pretty large majority here when I say I basically just use my Connect to navigate around um, my Xbox One and for voice commands. Um, mm -hmm. And coincidentally enough, one of my birthday presents from my lovely wife, she bought me the media remote for the Xbox One so that we don't have to use the Connect as much now because she gets frustrated when it doesn't hear her the first time, um, which occasionally mm -hmm. does happen. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Rich, uh, how often do you use uh, your Connect on the Xbox One? I'm the same as you, really. I just use it for um, turning it on, turning it off, and uh, recognizing me when I'm when I'm in front yeah. of it. But that's pretty much it. Yep. All right. Well, but I mean, you gotta admit, right? The TA app is going to be a whole lot better when you can just shout Xbox Snap TA yes. <laughs> as opposed oh, yeah. to having to tap through. So there's yeah. a utility to the Connect for sure, and I agree. It's mostly comes down to those voice commands. It's not really the most people don't really there aren't that many games that showcase it. And I couldn't help but think when I saw Dance Central Spotlight was included that that was a little bit of throwing a bone to oh yeah harmonics. totally. Because they were visible, like yeah. everywhere on on Twitter and whatnot, they they were very clear about not being happy with the decision. So I felt that they had to include something anyway. Like the original Connect came up with Fruit Ninja mm -hmm. when it was, or or yeah. Um, so they had to put in something. 
but uh, yeah, the it's a great game to include, but I couldn't help but think that that was, oops, our bad here. Yeah. This is guaranteed movement of units no, for you. No, it's definitely not. It's basically putting it out there for people who have buyers from Wars and not getting to connect with their lower-priced right. Xbox One. Um, one bit of news going backwards into the previous gen is that um, there was a 500-gigabyte hard drive spotted for the Xbox 360. So if you have an Xbox 360 Slim, um, you'll soon be able to purchase a 500-gigabyte hard drive for your Xbox 360. Uh, it's set to be priced at just over $100, so $109.99. Um, but that 500-gigabyte hard drive, that's what the Xbox One comes with. <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering how many 360 games you could fit on that 500 gigabyte hard drive because most 360 games are between what two and maybe six or seven gigabytes. If you've got a ton of DLC for a big high end game, you might have like 10 gigabytes of data devoted to one game. Uh, but I would think a 500 gigabyte hard drive would pretty much allow you to store whatever you wanted on it and then hopefully, you know, save some space uh, on your shelf. Um, I'm probably not going to get one. I've, I've, I'm, I'm making the move to taking all of my 360 games out of their cases, putting them in like a CD folder, and then just getting rid of those cases so I can save space but still hang on to those discs. Uh, but would either of you be interested in picking up a gigantic hard drive for your 360? No. No. Yeah, yeah I, no. I've got a 250 gig and I still have 70 gigs free. I think mostly it's just people tend to not move. So. We get games with gold every month, right? We get one game, and that's usually six gigs. If you're not playing it, remove it. As long as it's in your download history, you don't actually need to hold on to it. So download it and delete it. And I think yeah. just media management is really what you need on 360. It's not like the one where you need to have the installed content. And and so each game is going to be a much larger portion. So you need that 500 gigs at a minimum. Six gigs is or it's not a lot of room. Yeah. So, you know, just delete what you're not using. It, it seems like too little too late. If this was before the Xbox yeah. One was announced, I could see people jumping on it. Because it's actually not too exorbitantly priced. No, it's not bad. Um, but it's people are moving on from that now. I just don't see the need. I'm kind of wondering if this is kind of aimed at people who are archiving their 360 for future use. So that they can install a bunch of their stuff or re-download it to this massive hard drive. And then just clear out their shelf space so they know that... I have all of my 360 stuff on this one hard drive, and that hard drive is in my 360. The 360 is a pretty stable piece of hardware at this point, so it's probably not going to red ring or anything like that. It's going to be good for a long time, and I can come back five, ten years from now and play Bioshock uh, without having to worry about finding my disc. Stuff like that. Right. I kind of wonder if that's that was the, the move here. Um, speaking of uh, moves, uh, let's talk about this Rise of the Tomb Raider stuff. Uh, so... I think it was back at Gamescom, uh, it was announced that Rise of the Tomb Raider, the sequel to the very successful Tomb Raider reboot, uh, is going to be an Xbox One exclusive for holiday 2015. And this led to a firestorm of questions being like, do you mean it's exclusive in perpetuity? Is it a timed exclusive? A lot of the media and a lot of gamers were very confused by this stance, um, and we have a question here from Parallax Demon who wrote in for the mailbag. What do you guys think of the Tomb Raider soapbox story? Um, so I know, Michelle, you and I talked a little bit beforehand about this. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, this basically just boils down to marketing, you know, wanting to 
get the group think out there that this is going to be exclusive to the Xbox One when in actuality it's going to be a timed exclusive to the Xbox One. So it's going to come to the PlayStation at some point, but we have no idea when. Um, but uh, Michelle, why don't you jump in here? I know you had some very passionate thoughts kind of about this. <laughs> Well, I think we have to get used to it. This is where we're headed, right? We're going to have less first-party exclusive games and more timed exclusive games. Um, and I, I could be wrong, but I think the language was coming exclusively in 2015 to Xbox One. And when you read that, it right, it, it could be confusing. I know when I saw it, I immediately went, yeah, in 2015. That means it's coming on PlayStation in 2016, right? And other people are like, no, 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 that means exclusive. Um, so I never doubted what they said on the initial um that's it's marketing lingo and again we're, we're just we're gonna have to get used to it because that's how they're trying to pop buys they, they want people to go out and buy it on their console and they're hoping that folks who don't spend time fishing around gaming news forums to get the exact word will just take it as written oh it's exclusive to xbox and purchase it um it's frustrating yeah. but Again, we have to get used to it. This, we're going to see this more and more. And we talked about this earlier, as you said, but um, No Man's Sky is another example of this because we still don't really have confirmation. But the way that they phrased it when they brought the game to the Sony show at E3 was, you know, making its console debut. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean console exclusive. It just means console debut, which implies it's eventually going to be on other consoles. Um, and they haven't confirmed as much. And, and that still may be the case that it's not coming to other consoles. But it's very specific wording for a reason. We want to make it sound exclusive when it's not exclusive. Yeah, and so I'm not. Surprised. I think some of the there there was some. I, I I don't really know the right word for this, but some people said, "Well, Tomb Raider's not a system seller. Why is this a big deal?" And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I would agree that I don't think you're going to buy an Xbox One just to play Tomb no. Raider, but I think it's kind of just lining up a brick on one side of a scale. Like, on one side of the scale, you have Titanfall, and you have Tomb Raider first. On the other side of the scale, you have No Man's Sky first, and you can play The Last of Us. And I think it's just trying to make that decision easier or harder, depending on if you haven't jumped into this new gen yet, uh, and where the most important points of your gaming future lie. Um, Rich, uh, I know you're kind of a pan-gamer here. You play a little bit of everything across all platforms, mm -hmm. but... What what are your what are your thoughts kind of on just this the general story and this whole marketing bit? Um, yeah, I I think Michelle's absolutely right. You will see more of this happening. Um, I don't think Microsoft would have paid the money they would have paid if they don't think it's going to make a difference. I mean, I imagine this was not a cheap thing to organise. Oh, so yeah. um, there's obviously business you know in, intelligent business people that have made this decision. You, well, you don't know <laughs> anyway. So there's um, there's reason to do it. But I th yeah, I think you'll see it more and more. I don't mind I, if this was appearing on PS4 and I didn't have one um, and it was coming to PS4 first, I, I wouldn't mind waiting for it. I don't think it would be um, a system seller, as you say, but you are right. It does... All these little things add up, don't they? Um, well, and yeah, I think I think it's, it's another feather in Microsoft's cap, but I don't think it will sell consoles on its own. I don't think it's all just about console sales, though. When, when you talk about game sales, and, and the number two console always talks about the gaming in ecosystem. It's not just about console sales, it's about attach rate. Yeah. And even though we're number two, we sell four games per console out there. We're number one, sells two games per console out there. So our software sales are superior. Yeah. That's what it's about. Anyone who is hedging between maybe I'll get a PS4 version, you know, I have access to a PS4, I have access to an Xbox One, it'll look a little nicer on the PS4. Well, now they don't have a choice. If they want the game day one, they have to buy the Xbox version. I, I think it's more about 
that. I don't think system selling is even a thought. You know, if they release a, um, you know, um, a, a special edition console, then yeah, they're trying to move some consoles. But otherwise, it's it's about that attach rate. It's the other parts of the gaming sales ecosystem that they're trying to beef up. Yeah. So it, it, I think I mean we're still like. I feel like we've been saying this for, for so long, but we are still incredibly early in this console generation. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost folly to be measuring things in, in such a short view. But uh, in the long view, right. I mean, five years from now, we'll be able to look back on this and see where those, you know, dominoes start or fall either way for both of these consoles. And I think that's it's going to be interesting. All right. Um, Let's segue not so gracefully into the mailbag. Uh, we put it out there this month. We were looking for some mailbag questions just to chat about. We've been away for too long, and I know you all needed to know the events of our gaming lives. So we opened it up. <laughs> uh, we got some really good questions. Um, I hate to bury the lead, but we're just going to kick this off with the question of the month, um, which comes from Angel SK, who asked two, two really good questions. Uh, so we'll start with the first one and then we'll move on to the second, um, because that's how numbers work. Um, I don't know if anyone's asked this before, but are there any games you regret starting? Uh, so I'll give both of you a chance to kind of dig through this. Uh, I just looked at my kind of game history at the games that have gotten the fewest number of achievements in, uh, and games that I've regretted starting, uh, Devil May Cry 4. I just, I don't like games like that. And I only have nine of the 46 achievements, mm-hmm. which definitely drags down my completion percentage. Uh, so I regret starting that. Um, I also regretfully started Guitar Hero Metallica, which I used to really like Guitar Hero games. And that basically sat on my shelf unplayed for a super long time. And then I think I had a friend over one afternoon and we popped three achievements in it. And probably the one that is just kind of shameful for me is... Uh, Forza Motorsport 2, which I got bundled with my 360. I only have two achievements in that game out of 44. So I'm pretty proud of my completion percentage, which is near 75%. But if you took out the 10 or so bottom games on my list, I would probably have closer to an 85 to 90% completion percentage because there are some here that I'm just like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I only bought 11 achievements in it. That was a game I did not play very much. Dead Rising. Oh, Dead Rising is another one I regret starting. That was not, that was not fun for me. Um, uh, <laughs> I would say Star Trek, but I bag on Star Trek enough. <laughs> uh, so, you guys, what are games that you might have regretted starting? Uh, I'm going to throw both Oblivion and Skyrim. Uh, yeah, out I there, can see that out of you. Which I have one one achievement in each, and um, there's just no way I'm ever going back to those games. I just, I fell for the hype. I don't. I know I don't like RPGs, but I still fell for the hype, and I bought them, and I started them, and then realized I didn't like them. So um, those are the two for me. Yikes, uh, Michelle, what are yours? See, if this, this my immediate answer to this question used to be Forza Motorsport too, for the same reasons you said. It came bundled with my console. I tried it. I popped a couple of achievements, and then I never played it. But I have gone back to it, and I have played it some, and and I'm fine with where that sits. I think. For me, it's more um, like I don't really regret anything that's on my tag because it's all, you know, history of what you play and whatnot. But there are some games like Elder Scrolls. I'm in the same boat where I'm never going back to it. It's just not my thing. Um, I know it's an unpopular choice probably, but like I wish Grand Theft Auto 4 weren't on my tag. 
I'm just, you know, I have to come to grips with the fact that I'm not into every genre of game. So buying into the hype and just getting a game because of that isn't a good idea. Yeah. Um, but that said, they're there, and I don't mind that they're there. I wouldn't want to remove them if I was given the opportunity. There's some things like Hydrophobia. I bought for $2 on sale once, and I bean-dived it, so now it's on my tag forever and ever, and I'll probably never play it. Um, but I, I, it's not fair to say I wish I hadn't done that, because I did, and I did it as part of bean-diving, and that's okay. Um, they're just things I'm not going to get to, and you know, I'm just going to try to keep working on being more selective with the games I purchase, which has definitely been the lesson from all of these games where I have one out of however many achievements. Yeah. Um, Angel's second question uh, is, what is the max amount of time you've put in to solely, put in to solely get one achievement? Uh, so I, I just dug through some of my best achievements, and I said it's got to come down to like three. I have three achievements that I know took me a lot of time to get. Uh, the first one, uh, probably the most recent one, is getting Gen 10, hitting Gen 10 in Titanfall, mm-hmm. um, because I put 113 hours into that game. Uh, now, that wasn't solely to get the Gen 10 achievement, but uh, getting Gen 10 definitely took the longest amount of time. Uh, CEO in Syndicate, uh, which is getting the 100% completion, it's basically the seriously equivalent for Syndicate. I put a ton of time into that. And then one that sticks out to me as having remembered taking a lot of time was the Medal of Valor achievement in Mass Effect, which is completing the game on insanity difficulty. I remember playing that game and running around in the Mako, taking out like Geth in the Mako, and then running and hiding to allow my Mako to recharge and just basically setting my controller down, walking away and doing chores for like 15 minutes to allow my Mako to recharge. Uh, So I know that took me a ton of time. Um, Michelle, I think I know your answers, but, uh, what achievements took you the longest? Well, what do you think my answer is? Seriously? 3.0? Yeah. I don't have 3.0. Um, well, I don't have (laughs) 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 2.0. So no, um, seriously, 2.0 actually doesn't take that long. Well, it, to if you have a Hori pad, like one of the turbo pads, it doesn't take long because you can leave that going overnight. I just haven't finished it. But seriously, one is definitely the one that took the most time. Just um, It's difficult because you really need to boost, and so you have to organize people. And we had a great party for that, but it just it took a long time. A lot of fun, but that was definitely the longest investment. Um, and I did a lot of work towards Seriously 3.0. I think I put like 115 hours into uh, Gears 3, and at 115 hours, I had done 25 of the Onyx medals, and that that was it. I just I wasn't putting my Xbox through that anymore. Um, otherwise, uh, recently, actually between podcast recordings, I finished WWE 13, um, and there's an achievement in there to get Hall of Famer status, and that took quite a while. Um, and the only other one off the top of my head actually was finishing uh, Guitar Hero 3 oh, on yeah, Expert. That's tough. Because it doesn't take a right, it doesn't take a lot of gameplay time. Obviously, the song's only a few minutes, but just the time to learn to play the game well enough to be able to do that—it was a real investment of time and, and definitely a great achievement. Pop to have. Rich, how about you? What have you sunk time into? Um, off the top of my head, Peggle Professor in the first Peggle game, um, which is for mm. completing every level in challenge mode. That um, that's got quite a big ratio. It's above a four, wow. and I know that took me a long time to do. But it's so—I mean, it's Peggle. It's so enjoyable. See, that's—I don't really do grinding <laughs> at all, or boosting, or that. But I love Peggle so much that I was more than happy to sink the hours into that. 
right. that's definitely the big one for me. Now, now my question to you guys, and I felt this, I always have this weird feeling when I finally pop that achievement that I've spent so much time in that I get that wave of yes. And then you get that, that crushing realization. How much of my life have I spent to pop this <laughs> one achievement? Like the, Michelle, have you, did you feel that when you finally popped seriously? Um, not really because I, I mean, I gained good friends from it. So it stopped oh, yeah. becoming okay. about the achievement. It was, we hung out three nights a week and chatted for three hours in the guise of earning an achievement. So I didn't really feel that way because I got so much from doing it. I know it's not the typical seriously experience, but I mean, I still hang out and play with those guys. And that was three years ago now, almost. That's so cool. I, I never, but, but you know what? I hit that wall in gears three and that's why I stopped. Like before I hit that point where I got the achievement and realized I wasted all that time, I just, I was done with it and that, that's it. So I haven't hit that with an achievement because generally if I start to feel that way, I just let it go. <laughs> let it go. All right. Um, <laughs> we've got two questions that kind of tie into each other. Uh, so I'll just uh, read them both and then we can have a discussion. Uh, Al Capone6969, uh, who submits us very good questions quite frequently, asked, What's your take on the wave of retro 2D titles on the One? Sure, they can be fun and well-made, but I find myself wondering why I needed to move up a console gen to play what looks like an SNES game. Uh, and then kind of on the heels of that, Daryl Maple asks, Do you think the ever-growing number of remakes, remastered, re-remakes being announced for the Xbox One is holding back people from buying a new console? People may see it, at, it as just the same old stuff they played already played resulting in a slow, disappointing start to the generation. Do you see it as a good thing for the industry that as it bides developers time to craft a truly next-gen experience with easy cash injection? Or do you see it as a worrying sign for the future of gaming? Maybe we see even more remake sequels resulting in developers not experimenting with new ideas and only going for the safe and guaranteed money route. Mm. So I think both these questions just speak to the, the titles that really have come out for the Xbox One in the past year. And my general answer is, I think the shift to this new generation of consoles has kind of caught developers and publishers by surprise a little bit. Uh, there was all the talk before this generation launched about console gaming is dead and nobody really wants a new console. And so I think there was a lot of just skepticism on whether these consoles will have a good sales attach rate. And now that it's proven that they do, that they're selling better than the PS3 360 generation, developers and publishers are scrambling to get content out mm -hmm. there. And the easiest way to get that content is catering to these indies who can, who take less time to get their, their smaller games ready for this new gen, as well as up-resing and polishing up some of the more recent previous gen tiles and getting them out on these new consoles for people who might not have bought them in the first place. So... I kind of, I think Daryl Maple kind of hit my answer yeah. there that this is the industry biding its time for developers to kind of get those next-gen titles ready. And you're starting to see those. This fall, you are going to start to see those titles that were truly developed for the next-gen. Uh, things like Dragon Age Inquisition and Assassin's Creed Unity. And then we've got Evolve coming and the new Call of Duty. Um, you're going to see these titles that were really focused on that next gen. They're going to start hitting. And as that happens, you know, we're going to see fewer and fewer of these remakes, I think. I agree. And then the, the retro 2D titles, um, I think those, as overwhelmed as, you know, we on the news team get of just putting these stories on the front page with all these assets for these 
indie games that are retro and 2D and probably don't have a huge amount of interest in them, they do fill a niche. And they are those titles that can really be awesome. Like Guacamelee, totally awesome. Um, but you will see those ones that are kind of like, I don't really get understand why that's there. Aside from it's giving these smaller developers an opportunity to get their games to find a larger audience. So that is my very long, too long take on this. Somebody else jump in. Well, I, I, I just, I think you've summed it up for me as well. I totally agree. I have no problem with um, the 2D games. I think, I mean, that's a different part of the question, but those games I have no problem with. I, the more games, the better, I think, in that regard. Um, and we have to remember that, obviously, we've all come from, to the one from uh, the 360. So there will be people that the, the one is their first console, and they won't have got a chance to play Tomb Raider, GTA uh, 5, etc. So for them, it's fantastic that they can they can go and pick those games up and, and Sleeping Dogs, etc. Um, personally, I'm probably not going to pick up any of those. Possibly I might get um, Sleeping Dogs. But, you know, for those that haven't played them, it's a great opportunity. I've, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to... I want to... With the Retro 2D deal, there are a couple games that are coming out that, that intentionally look retro-ish. Like, Pure Solar intentionally has, like, a retro-looking mode, and then it has a more upgraded one. But I think there's a tendency to clump a game like Valiant Hearts because it is 2D as a retro 2D style title. These yeah. games require the processing power of an Xbox. They can't be made on a Super Nintendo, even if they look 2D and they look retro. Um, they can't. It's it's yeah. just um, it, these things re- right. Can be they require more and more. I mean, the, the the amount of data that's in the screen that shows the Ubisoft logo is more data than existed on a Super Nintendo card. Um, it, things have changed, so I, I think just because it's two D doesn't mean it's retro. Doesn't mean that it could be programmed in a simpler time in a simpler place. And I, I think that thinking, and I don't know if that's Al Capone's intention when he says that, because he may be talking about games like um, Super Time Force. I think kind of looks pixelated and all that but again it's by design you can't have all of those sprites moving on a super nintendo screen at once yeah so um i don't wonder why i have to move up a console generation to play this because things like um fully orchestrated music or voiceovers right clay fighter came out on the super nintendo and had a song in it that was voiced and it was like the biggest deal because there was a single song that had voiceovers in it all this stuff counts so you do need the new gen consoles uh, to continue to enjoy these things, and they do do new and exciting things with that. Um, so I don't think there's any problem with it. You know, parallax layers of scrolling and whatnot. Um, as for the remakes and remasters, I I agree. I agree with what you said, Jay. It's very much a matter of they needed to bide their time. It's an easy cash grab. They don't need to redevelop a whole bunch. But I think also it's a tool to help them learn oh, yeah. the new development yeah. kit. Um, and it's a really effective way for them to do that without uh, doing a whole bunch of test stuff and wasting time. It lets them build a new game that they can sell and put on market while they learn the new equipment. So I think it's actually beneficial for them in that way to do it. And it'll help us see better titles sooner because they'll already understand the technology when they go to make the new IP or make a new edition of the franchise on the new gen. Yeah, concept. and I think that um, recently just the Metro Redux, uh, having read Nexus's mm-hmm. really fantastic review on it. I think that shows the promise of doing this because the Metro titles, they were very niche. Uh, I don't think they found a super huge audience, Right. but this gave um, that company the chance to really polish those up, 
take some of the things they implemented in the sequel, um, gameplay things, fixing, all that stuff, and re-implement it into the original and really give that super polished, high-end experience. That's actually, I'm definitely going to pick up that game, um, that package at some point, because that sounds like it's exactly right up my alley. It's exactly something I would want to play. And the fact that it's all bundled together, it, it made me see the appeal of these remakes and remastered packages, even though I already own... Um, most of the ones they're announcing, I, I've already owned and played at some point. Don't really have much of an interest going back to, uh, but I think it's it, it's definitely beneficial for those who want it and easily ignorable for those who don't. And I think Michelle, you, right. you really hit the nail on the head in that it gives these development teams a chance to really get their toes wet in the new gen hardware without having the stakes of having to launch a brand new IP. So yeah. Um, our next question uh, comes from Oddworld X, uh, who asks, "What is your opinion on the game Hydro Thunder Hurricane, and do you think it deserves a spot in any future TA Top Five <laughs> articles that are posted once a week on the website? Top Five Arcade Boat Racers, beginning with the letter H, maybe a good one to include it in." Um, for those of you that only listen to the podcast and don't necessarily pop over to TA on the weekends, we have a weekly TA Top Five article where uh, the editorial team, we try to pick some uh, less than obvious top fives, uh, things that are a little more unique than, than your standard fare. And without fail, every week Oddworld pops in and finds a way to loop that week's list into Hydro <laughs> Thunder Hurricane, much to the delight of many of the commenters and communities. So kudos to you, sir <laughs> or ma'am, for reminding us of the glorious wonder that is Hydro Thunder Hurricane. A game that I have never played and probably never will. I have. You have, Rich. Tell us about Hydro yeah. Thunder Hurricane. Oh, what a game! It's the best game on 360 by a mile. Oh my gosh, game of the generation. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yes. <laughs> got, got my I'm vote. going to burn or microwave my copy of Bioshock and go get. Hydro <laughs> <Thunder> <laughs> yes, you only need Hydro Thunder. Michelle, you have. What are your thoughts on the the amazing, glorious Hamlet esque experience that is Hydro Thunder Hurricane? Um, you know, I believe I could be mistaken, but I believe it's actually you know has its origins as an arcade title, like yeah, a I true think so. arcade title. I, I remember that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I seem to remember many, many years ago, like there was I was at a bowling alley and they actually had Hydro Thunder there, and it was with a bunch of my friend and my kid's sister, and so we're all like, oh, we're going to play this, and she wound up beating everyone at Hydro Thunder. Her Hydro, it wasn't Hurricane, it was just Hydro Thunder, I think, at that time. And I think that was the game. So every time I see this, I'm reminded of see Oddworld post about Hydro Thunder, I'm reminded of this. So it's a pleasant memory. So I, I appreciate these reminders every week um, of that. But it was it was fun, actually. And, you know, great water physics. Maybe that's the top five we need. Ooh. Top water physics in a game. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good entries for that. Yeah. Uh, Connect Sports has some fantastic uh, water physics in uh, in Rivals. So we, we can work on that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think there is that little indie game that's completely based underwater. Yeah, wet, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's not what I was talking about. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, thank you, Oddworld, for providing us with a bit of humor. Um, back to more serious question. Uh, Smokey D. Bear, who, who is a frequent listener and asker of questions, thank you, asks, with the upcoming release of the Xbox One in 28 new markets, to what extent has the absence in these markets had on the console race war? Um, I'd say next to none. Uh, a small one. Yeah. Very small. If you look at those markets, they are not traditional markets that Microsoft has sold well in. Um, I know 
we uh, we might have been before we started recording talked about Japan and how it wasn't a super huge launch event there. Um, but I, I think it'll be a drop in the bucket at the end of the day. But it's really good that these markets are now getting an Xbox One. I think the big kind of sleeping giant there is China, uh, because the PlayStation I don't think is getting into China, but the Xbox right. is. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much that's going to do for us in, in the more Western world, uh, because I know the Chinese game market is very, very different from the Western one. I, I believe China is big in free-to-play games uh, and downloadable titles, so I don't think you'll see the release in China having a super huge effect on Western gaming. But, I mean, looking at the list, uh, it's Chile, Colombia, Japan, Belgium, Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, Greece, Hungary, Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Saudi Arabia, Slovakia, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey, United Arab Emirates, Israel, Hong Kong, India, Korea, Singapore, South Africa, Taiwan, China, and Russia. Uh, So those are definitely – some of those are big Western – westernized countries that you know might might have disposable income and are interested in a console market but i don't think they're going to be as big as you know the ones that it's already in so it'll be i think it'll be a drop in the bucket um what do you guys think here there was a reason they launched in the markets they launched in first very well said right totally well said yeah all right uh and then let's move on to our final question um the rook with x's on either end asks do achievements now influence the games you play? Can you start a game and not worry about gamer score, or would difficulty of achievement slash getting the game maxed out make you play something else? Um, Rich, why don't you jump in here first? Um, they influence it a bit, but not to that extent. I, w- I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't not play a game I was looking forward to just because it had hard achievements. I mean, I don't. My completion percentage is nothing to write home about at the best of times, so um, I don't play games to complete them. I play games for fun, but the opposite is possibly true, where I might pick up a game because it has easy mm-hmm. achievements that I would not otherwise have picked up. Yeah. Michelle, what are your thoughts here? Um, I think I sort of you know, ran the gamut from being that way to not being that Like I, When I started with the Xbox 360, I didn't care about achievements. It just They were cool. But I just bought what I wanted to. And then I definitely hit a point where I was buying games because of the achievements. Or if there's a game I was on the fence about, if the achievement list looked tough or grindy, I'd let it go. Um, now I'm back to, just like Rich said, I'm not going to let an achievement list stop me from buying a game I would otherwise buy. You know, I'm, I'm, There are certain games I'm just not likely to complete, and that's okay. Um, the only thing about achieving, achievements that, that does get to me, um, if it's a game later on that's already been out for a while, if... if an achievement is broken and hasn't been patched. That might stop me, not because the achievement, but more because the support from that developer. You know, like they they should release a product that works. And so, if anything, that that's like the only achievement thing that will actually affect my decisions at this point on purchasing a game. Yeah, I, I'm in pretty much the exact same boat as you guys. If there's a game I'm excited about. Um, the achievements don't bother me if they're hard or impossible. Like, yeah, I'm going to play Dragon Age Inquisition no matter what the achievements are because I really want to right. play that game. Where it does affect my purchasing, though, is when we get sales articles come up and you see that you can buy... Uh, the example I'm thinking of is Mirror's Edge. Like, that was on mm-hmm. sale for, like, less than five bucks a couple of months ago. 
And I was like, ooh, I'd kind of like to play that. But then I looked at the achievements and I'm like, there is no way I'm going to get anything close to a good completion percentage on this game. So I didn't buy it. And I think part of that... It's a good game. Well, I think part of that is due to the fact that there are other games that I am more interested in that I will play and probably get more achievements in versus a game that I'm somewhat interested in and probably won't get many achievements. I think that's where that fine line of achievements will impact my buying decision. Um, But again, it comes back to how much do I want to play this game? Uh, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it comes down to for me. So thank you everyone for sending in questions. And again, Angel SK for question of the month, I will be sending you a PM with a code for Nutjitsu on the Xbox one. So enjoy that. Great questions this month. Well done everyone. Great. Really great questions. Good yeah, job to you. everyone. Um, let's take a look ahead to, uh, some of the game releases that are coming up in the next couple of weeks slash month. Uh, just as a reminder, Games with Gold for the Xbox One this month. It is Super Time Force, which I downloaded the other day and look forward to playing around with at some point. Uh, you can also get Crimson Dragon, um, which I did the exact opposite. <laughs> uh, and then for the 360, uh, until the 15th of September, you can get Monaco, What's Yours is Mine. And then starting on the 16th through the 30th, you can pick up Halo Reach, which I say is the best Halo campaign ever. That is a great campaign. Uh, new releases next week. So by the time you listen to this, it may already be out. Destiny is hitting the 360 in the Xbox One, as is NHL 15. Uh, the week after that, on the week of September 16th, you can get Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm Revolution. That's on the 360. Uh, Flockers, which is coming from the minds that made the Worms franchise, is getting released on the Xbox One digitally. On September 19th. The week of the 23rd, you can get Disney Infinity Marvel Super Heroes 2.0 Edition on both the 360 and the Xbox One. You can also pick up Defense Grid 2 digitally on the Xbox One. Uh, the 26th, we'll see the launch of FIFA 15 on both the 360 and Xbox One. Uh, the week of the 30th, Forza Horizon 2, uh, both 360 and Xbox One. Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment, 360 and Xbox One. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax on the 360, and Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor on the 360 and Xbox One. Uh, As you move into October, Skylanders Trap Team comes out on the 5th for the 360 and Xbox One. On the 7th, we will have NBA 2K15 on the 360 and Xbox One, as well as NBA Live, if you want to take a flyer on that franchise again, uh, comes out on the Xbox One. Uh, Project Spark, will be hitting Xbox One and Windows 8. Uh, the survival horrible title, Alien Isolation, will be 360 and Xbox One. Finally, the week of October 14th, you will have The Evil Within on both platforms. Borderlands, the pre-sequel on the 360, and Sleepin' Dogs, Definitive Edition, on the Xbox One. That is a ton of games. A lot ton of games, of games <laughs> in the next month. Um, I know the only thing I'm definitely picking up on that list is Destiny. Uh, I may at some point get around mm-hmm. to Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor. Uh, I think I'm going to pass on Borderlands the pre-sequel, just because I'm pretty much into my Xbox One at this point. Uh, Rich, uh, aside from Destiny, FIFA, and Forza, anything else you're uh, interested in in that list there? Um, a possible Sleeping Dogs, as I mentioned right, earlier. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think I'm... Not, I might, a Flockers looks interesting. I might grab that. Um, 
But I think there's enough gameplay in the others oh, yeah. to be more than happy enough with 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 that that little lot. Yeah, the big ones there are not small games. They are definitely big, no. chunky games. Uh, right. Michelle, what are you going to be jumping in on here? Yeah, Destiny, obviously. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested in the Evil Within, but I I don't think I'm going to jump on it just as a curiosity. But I, I think Destiny's is going to be enough to tide me over until the next set of game releases. Yeah, what I think is interesting is there are two pretty big survival uh, survival horror franchises coming out within a week of each other mm-hmm. in uh, Alien Isolation and The Evil Within. I really want to see how those com- those do compared to each other. Uh, so that could be really interesting. And then things don't let up. I mean, for the rest of October into November and December, there's games by the bajillions that are coming out. <laughs> so we all have tons of stuff. Make up to... for those summer doldrums. Yes, yes. Uh, I probably will not have the liberty to just crush through Titanfall and leisurely complete it anymore, which is why I'm glad I got that done. Um, All right. Well, I think that's about it. Uh, We're going to be back here next month talking about more games. We'll probably all share our thoughts on Destiny. That's probably going to be our game of the month since we all plan on playing that. So um, as we get into the next uh, podcast, we will probably again put up a mailbag. So if you want to ask us Destiny questions, feel free to throw those in there. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be working on the review. So, Hopefully that review will be done within a week of when Destiny launches next week. Uh, Hopefully we'll get uh, time to really delve into that. But I think that's about it. Uh, Any final thoughts from the two of you before we check out of here? No. Um, I actually do have one final thought, and I'm really sorry to go all the way back to the top of the podcast, but there was one other thing I played this month that I wanted to mention, and that's Fibbage. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I heard of it, yeah. It's by the You Don't Know Jack guys, and um, a lot of people have downloaded it and just finished it because it's an easy completion, but I beg you guys, find people to play the game with and actually play the game. Um, I was actually up in Canada the other week uh, visiting with a fellow TEA, Boots Orion hosted myself and Elle, and we met Botswana. It was great. It was like all these TA folks and fantastic, but every night at the end of the night, we played Vivage. And it was gamers and non-gamers, and it's just awesome. So if you've downloaded that game and only played it for the achievements, or if you haven't downloaded it and you're on the fence, find some people to play with it. It is an absolute blast. And I'm sorry I didn't mention that at the top, but I remembered right after, and I wanted to make sure I got it in at the end. Now, my question, is that a Connect-only title? No, like it's you not need Connect at all. It's, you actually... Um, you. Uh, you access the game by using your smartphones or your computers. Oh, okay. So everyone in the room, like I had my laptop and one guy had a smartphone and one of the guy's wives had their smartphone and somebody was on the computer. Um, and so, so you're, you're not seeing each other's stuff, but that's the point you're supposed to make a lie and get other folks to think that your lie is the correct answer. So that's the best way to handle it. Normally you have to pass the controller and everyone, it's an honor system. You turn your head away or whatever else, but you just play right on your smartphone. Nice. I, wow. Yeah, I'm definitely, next time we have people over, I will definitely download that because I loved You Don't Know Jack. It's my favorite party yeah. game on last gen. And I, you will have a blast. I just pulled it up. It's like a small download. It's like 320 megabytes. It costs seven bucks. 
And yeah, it's easy, an easy completion. I'm definitely going to do that now, Michelle. The, the biggest the biggest complaint is there aren't, I think there's only 150 questions. And unfortunately, once you've seen them once, you're going to remember the answer. But even like after you answer the question, um, you have the ability to like everyone's answer. So there's the thumbs up cup they give at the end uh, to the person who got the most likes. So it encourages you to just be silly if that's what you want to be. Absolutely recommend that if you have folks over. And for those of you who completed it but never actually played it with other human beings, find some other human beings to play it with. It is just a blast. It's so much fun. Awesome. I'm definitely going to check nice. that out now. Oh, I did have one quick thing to say. I just want to yes. wish um, Drabic good luck on his uh, oh, South yes. African adventure. Absolutely. He's going to go study the tortoises and the turtles, isn't he? He sure yes. is. Yeah, he's yes. a top man. So um, good luck yes. to him. Good yes. luck. Thank, thank you to him for everything he's done and good luck. All right. On that note, on behalf of Rich, otherwise known as True Achievement, and Matriarch, otherwise known as Michelle or M, this is OSU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as J or That Jerk. Oh, nice. Wishing you all <laughs> a happy September. Enjoy the games, and we'll be back with you here later next month. Bye. Bye.